You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agrotourism uh, for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agrotourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host. Back with another episode down in Norman today. We're outside. Got some ambient noises going on. Uh, I'm on the patio right now of 4 or 5 Brewing with Jonathan Stapleton. Trey is maybe on his way. We'll see if he gets you before we get done. Um, but Trey, if you're listening and you're not here, you really missed out. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, Jonathan, thanks for having me down. Uh, of course. You know, Excited to dive into the story uh, about the business. Um, great name. Glad you jumped on that name before everybody else did uh, with 4 or 5 Brewing. But before we get into the brew stuff uh, and side of that thing, tell us a little bit about you. Like, What's your kind of Oklahoma story? Uh, you know, since Trey's not here, I'll give you a background of the both of us. Okay. And then if he wants to say it again, he can, but yeah. he won't. Um, both Trey and I are from Norman. We both grew up here. We um, went through school at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, we we graduated the same year. Mm-hmm. Too much information. We didn't go to school, to get, like the same school together until middle school. We were both in orchestra and played the upright bass. Okay. Uh, but even then, we weren't in the same class. There were so many orchestra students in yeah. sixth grade that we had two orchestra classes. Uh, so we'd only see each other probably at lunch randomly. Sure. Um, but we went to the same church here in town. And so uh, outside of school, you know, mm-hmm. we saw each other a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then uh, middle school junior high school mid high school whatever we called it here mm-hmm. and then the high school split into yeah. two four year schools when we got to be juniors and so then Trey went to the other high school and I went to the, the new high school so even though you know we were together a lot throughout that whole time yeah. um, regarding school which is not really important we, <laughs> you guys didn't go to school much to become the, brewers I guess right? I, might, I might be going on tangents a bit um yeah, so we're both from Norman. Okay. The the background story of how we met each other, mm-hmm. um, since we didn't go to yeah, school yeah, together, yeah. is that my parents uh, went to OU with Trey's parents. Okay. My dad and Trey's dad were in the same fraternity, and Trey's mom and my mom were in the same social sorority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my parents were already dating. That's one of our employees pulling up, if you hear that squeaky car. Uh, my parents were already dating, and they set Trey's parents up on a blind date. Yeah. And then that's, the rest is you know, nice. history. So it seems like growing up, you really got into music then. Mm. Like, did mom and dad get you into music, or was that something you just gravitated yeah, to? Yeah, no, my, my parents, well, my mom was definitely okay. into music. And, you know, if you if you come by the brewery, you might see her here and she'll be talking about her flute circle or yeah. her guitar circle or uh, whatever else she's yeah. doing in right now. Um, I think she's doing a choral concert this 
this weekend or something. Oh, she's really good at it, then, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, but then Trey's parents, uh, they definitely, you know, uh, provided him with a lot of opportunity. Gotcha. I was only in orchestra and handbells at mm-hmm. the church and choir. But Trey uh, actually went to school, uh, went to university, well, college for yeah. a few years uh, with the idea to learn uh, uh, music engineering. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Sound engineering and stuff yes, like that. So yeah, Trey, yeah. Trey can do. Trey can play guitar and bass, and I can't play guitar. <laughs> and I'm sure he can do some other stuff too. Yeah. So obviously, you, the first you know you meet over being in high school, being in music together, you have a shared passion for music. Um, Trey seems like he was wanting to do that more of a career. And do you both go to OU as well? Uh, he he went to a school in Illinois to do the music stuff. To do the music, okay. and then I did stay here yeah. um, and go to OU. I had a pretty a pretty long. Uh, college career yeah. to get a bachelor's <laughs> Van, Van Wilder long uh, it, was, it was pretty long yeah, yeah. Start, started in uh, if we're going to say years I started in, in 99 and finished in 2007 yeah had a good time though. I had a great time I spent one year in Japan oh nice yeah how was that that was, that was a lot of fun so that would I mean pre-social media as well uh, Facebook was kind around of. Facebook okay. and uh, what was that other uh Skype, sure, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. It was available. Skype was the old Zoom, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So definitely. there was still, you know, Wi-Fi and, and yeah. internet existed, but it was not the same thing as it is now. What's Japan like? Uh, it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I you know was there for, for a whole year. Like, yeah, you I was there see for over eleven months. Well, I had to go to school for well, yeah, big a big portion of that, and I was in a. A town about the size, about the population of Norman. Okay. So 100,000-ish. Yeah. Um, which, compared to Tokyo or some mm-hmm. of the large cities, you know, that's tiny. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty far away from from Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto. and Real so, Japan, then, not like commercialized travel city, general yeah, population spot. Yes, yes and no. Okay. Because it was actually a town full of hot springs. So it was <laughs> kind of a, a destination <laughs> for people in Japan. The tourists coming yeah. in as well. Uh, yeah. But it was neat. Like the, the city was on the coast, but also had a mountain. Uh-huh. I mean, so like one direction was water. The other direction was a mountain. Um, snow up there, water down there. Yeah. It was crazy. Perfect. Having a great time. Spend, like Other than going to school, you're... you're yeah, you know, in and I country. still wouldn't have traded that. But yeah, you know, the school, the university was up a good portion of the way up a mountain, mm-hmm. so it was beautiful. It was a little isolated, but yeah, uh, and not having a you know a vehicle, the only way to get down was a bus. Or eventually, I started running. I would run down the mountain yeah. and then walk around town and then get as far as I can on the way back to like the last bus stop because even the the shortest bus route was like still like close to four dollars right. just to get up the mountain I was like yeah. geez <laughs> every day yeah, yeah but so we lived on but you know you lived up there so it was uh, when okay. it went down down you know, yeah. then that's when it cost money and I was like jeez do that. did you ever want to stay in Japan I would have loved to yeah yeah yeah. and I and about the time I was leaving was when my language learning was reaching that that sure. uphill you know, not uphill, I guess. The, it's comfortable. It to became a lot converse. easier to learn. Yeah. 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 And then it came back. Uh, I did take some classes at OU after I got back, but you know, it's not the same it's thing. It's not the same, is it? When you're there and, and like, I, I've been to Japan once to play golf for a week, and again, didn't see and like literally just went to the golf course and the resort and stayed there. But 
when you land in the airport, it's the only time I've ever landed in an airport and not, like, you know when you land and you think, okay, I'll look at a sign and figure out where I'm going. No idea where I was going, right? Because everything's, nothing is in English, ever. Everything's in a symbol and, a, and a, it's like, all right, I am, like, really in a foreign country now. That was the first experience I'd had that I'd gone mm-hmm. to a foreign country and I was like, yeah, I need help here. Yeah. You know? But then did you find someone and say, I need oh, help? And they're like, oh, let yeah, me help like, you. Right. Total, in like, Japanese, but, full service. Uh-huh. Like, what do you need? Can I help you? Carry but the whole deal. Uh, the nicest people ever. Yeah. Um, they're out there on their fashion mind. Really out there, aren't they? Yeah, I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the beer culture like there? Yeah, that's a good That's a good question. I was there in 2005 and 2006. Uh-huh. So even at that time, uh, here in Oklahoma, you know, my my knowledge of craft beer was right. uh, Scheinerbach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 99 cent pints at the uh-huh. Vista here in town. Yeah. If anyone is old enough and lives. Knows Norman. Knows Norman, yeah. yeah. Um, during a bingo night. But uh, I don't know. So one of my, I did have an experience when I went down to the grocery store mm-hmm. one time. They were doing... Uh, a beer sampling in the grocery store yeah. and they had these little tiny um, they were probably like a four ounce six ounce can and after the tasting again the you know person was like here take this tiny take beer <laughs> uh, you know there's some big right. ones the Asahi Sapporo uh-huh. Kirin like those those are big Japanese right. mega brands but um, I bet now that the craft beer scene exists I'm sure, sure it does yeah I I know even back then the craft you know, or smaller uh, sake yeah. companies were definitely around. Spirit scene, stuff like um, that. But I was supposed to go back to Japan last year for my 40th birthday. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's that would have been so good. Last April, uh, you know, had it all yeah. scheduled out. and uh, Still going to go? Yeah, probably looking at 2022. Yeah. See if we can... I'll just be 40 again. Yeah, why not? Two yeah. years later. No one's going to know. No yeah. one over there will know. <laughs> yeah. Right? Unless they check your passport. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so good. I like, I, I when I went over there and it, like I said, it was for golf, so I really didn't get to see and experience Japan like, like you did for 11 months. And I've spoken to people who have gone and they just, it's, it's fantastic. They're great people. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a yeah. place that I would like to live yeah. as a, like regular member of society for right. a couple of years, I think yeah, it would, it would be awesome. That would be so cool. Uh, did you stay in any like tiny little bed, you know, like little huts or bedrooms or um, not huts, but like I, the cubicles? That I they, did. I yeah. did. I stayed in a capsule ho- capsule, capsule hotel. That's right. Yeah. Uh, on purpose on one of one of the school breaks. Yeah. I went to a different island to visit the family of a student that had come to an exchange program here at mm-hmm. OU that we had hosted. Sure. So I got to go. Um, meet his family and one of uh, after I left his family yeah. you know, I just asked him to help me find one it wasn't a super fancy one but it was like it wasn't brand new just an experience but yeah I I, I have no problem with like little right. you know yeah. s- small spaces and you have me on TV and radio and yeah. you know there's a bath in the building and I thought it was pretty cool do you have to climb up into it, was it I was like on the bottom floor okay. or like a bottom you know yeah. layer because uh, they're just stacked cubicles, right? Yeah, this the, capsules, I, the one yeah. I went to was probably only too high. Yeah, I bet. Um, this was also on the the smallest, less inhabited island. Sure. Of yeah, yeah. Shikoku. Mm-hmm. I lived on Kyushu, 
all the big stuff, Tokyo and Osaka yeah. over on Honshu. Good times. I don't know where you played, but... Uh, we flew into Tokyo and then drove like four hours to Karazawa. I'd have to I look think. at the map. Uh, Sounds cool. There's a big mountain over there. Not not the one, not the one, that, the famous one. Um, Fuji, not Fuji. It was mm-hmm. the other one. Yeah. Uh, and I never the first time. I, I know Fuji's massive, but this mountain, even though it wasn't the biggest one on the golf course, the golf course was like a, a ski resort in the winter, and then a golf course and stuff in the summer. And you're looking up at it, you know, like one morning and it's clear. I'm like, oh, okay, it's cool. It's a mountain. And then the next day it was cloud cover and you realize that like it's not you realize how big the mountain is because of the cloud cover and then you can see like nothing and then you can see that i was like okay and i'm like that's it's the biggest mountain i think i've ever seen and i'm like you know 100 miles away from it and it looks massive wow. you know but so 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 you come back you have a great time you know you don't want to leave you come back to to norman yeah come back to norman uh so actually in between coming back to norman and before I went to Japan, I'd spent a few summers working at a summer camp in Connecticut. Uh-huh. So I actually came back from Japan straight to the summer camp in Connecticut. Right. Where my sister and my, my girlfriend at the time had been working the summertime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't actually an employee that, that summer, but I got to come back sure. and just kind of basically hang out and, and help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then back to Norman, back to OU. Uh, this is 2007. This is 2006. Yeah. Uh, a year later, 2007, finish up OU. Trey's already back in Norman. He's been back for a few years. Um, Trey and his uh, well, current wife, but fiance yeah. at the time, were scheduled to get married in uh, fall of 2007. Mm-hmm. And so before the wedding, uh, Trey arranged to take uh, myself... And two of our other other friends, uh, Trey, Trey, Ben, and Brian, on a nine-day bachelor trip. Yeah, basically, road trip. Road trip, and we took that road trip um, with with the intention to visit breweries, learn about beer, okay, um, and then gather beer to bring back for the reception. Sure. So the passion had kind of already started then with with beer. Yeah, I think yeah. while I was gone. Trey had already started doing, uh, you know, weekly yeah. buy a beer he's never heard of before, sure. see what it's like, um, and then that trip in 2007 was was the first time that I had experienced mm-hmm. a much larger range of beer. Right. Um, we went from from here in, in Norman up to St. Louis to Chicago to Milwaukee, uh, west through Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, and then back down south through Kansas City. So is there like a craft beer, like a trail, or was that just hey, the, I the think best it just, craft beer it worked comes out from really well way. for us. There's a lot of stuff in St. Louis. Okay. There's a lot of stuff in, I mean, Chicago for yeah. sure. Um, there's big stuff in Milwaukee. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just made sense to yeah. do that route. Got you. And it was a uh, you know within driving yes uh-huh. ability. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, the four of us took that trip. We came back. And then uh, two months or so later, two and a half months, uh, I guess it was a few more months. Sure. During the Super Bowl of 2008, uh-huh. Trey found online, probably on eBay, um, a homebrew setup that was for sale. Yeah. I think in California. And he bought it and had it shipped here. And then uh, early 2008, uh, Ben and myself, we 
took a class at a local homebrew shop. Mm-hmm. None of us had ho- had brewed before. Right. Yeah. You know, we had the equipment and we had some visual knowledge of what goes on, uh, but we hadn't done it yet. So we took a class and then came back, uh, got a recipe put together, and the four of us from the trip brewed our first batch of homebrew together. Yeah. Uh, April of 2008. Yeah. Uh, it was a long day in my backyard. We didn't have all the pieces and connections that we thought we had. And uh, we didn't take all the readings we were supposed to take. But the beer fermented. It turned out to be you know, a much higher concentration uh, sure. of hops and of alcohol. Uh, but we couldn't tell you what it was because we didn't measure it. <laughs> but after one glass, the next one was a lot easier. Yeah. So. It was a lot of fun. That was the beginning. All four of us brewed together yeah. for a few times. That's really cool. Um, before uh, mm-hmm. Ben and Brian got busy with other stuff and Trey and I continued you know, practicing so our homebrew. At that point, it was still a hobby then. It oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, it, yeah. There was no idea that, hey, we're going to have a business out of this. This was four dudes hanging out, having a good time, just brewing beer because that's just what you do. It's yeah. that you could have gone and played golf together, but instead you were brewing beer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But we did... Uh, yeah, just to see what we could do. Yeah. And it turned out to be that, you know, after um, about every six months, we would end up with so much beer. We were brewing 10 gallons at a time and usually two or three times a month. Yeah. So it's a know, lot. Yeah, 20 to 30 <laughs> gallons a month. And then after six months, yeah. we got a lot of beer. And so the, the, the very first tasting we had was with a small group, mostly of our family, mm-hmm. some of our friends. And we did the, the note cards and had them write down feedback. And yeah. later they all told us, like, it wasn't very good the first time. <laughs> the first, yeah. yeah. Um, At the time they're telling you, it's like, oh, yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, yeah Thanks, exactly. family. It's like the, like the worst kind of feedback you want from your family, right? You want it to be honest, and they just they want to be nice to you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, six months later, we had a lot more beer. Yeah. And eventually, I mean, we did this, I don't know, four or five times just to kind of clear and sound beer and and get feedback at the same time mm-hmm. and eventually it turned into just you know please come over we're gonna have a party right. drink the beer tell us what you think yeah. you know we can see if you drink more of one item sure we know th- there's, there's the feedback yeah. yeah yeah and uh at that time like the last you know the last year year and a half that we were doing those you know we we're still home brewing but we had the idea for 405 yeah um you know, we we it, towards the end we even probably had the you know the sure. LLC even though we weren't commercially doing anything, right? But you're clearly putting things in motion at that point to like, hey, this is like, I don't want to go get a desk job. This is kind of like, I think we can do this. At that time, in in the city in Norman in, in Oklahoma City and kind of the metro area, was there any other breweries kind of kicking off? Uh, the in Oklahoma City there were. Yeah. Uh, here in Norman, we did uh, physically have. A place that makes beer, but it's a different right. license. It's a sure. brew pub. Okay. Um, the the law the laws here in Oklahoma at the time uh, restricted brew pubs from making anything stronger than four percent. Okay. And they can only sell it at their own restaurant. Right. We did not want to have a restaurant, um, and we didn't want to be restricted to make four percent. Yeah. You know stuff. We do make things that are four percent and under, but. Yeah, not an imperial stout. Sure. Not you know everything. Yeah, else. it limits your 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 kind of creativity on that. Um, right? At and that really- time, uh, when we were getting started, uh, you know, 
even early on, we had obtained a copy of um, a business plan from another mm-hmm. brewery that was starting up. And that's one that most people here would recognize as probably Oklahoma City's largest. Okay. The yeah. largest brewery. But uh, places like Anthem, Coop, and even Rufftail, they were all, you know, we were a little bit behind them in right. getting our stuff together and actually producing. But still, like, one of the very few early ones before. I mean, now there's 20, right? Well, now that like we just, had, we just that. had a beer festival uh, two weeks ago, right. all Oklahoma, and there were 41. Oh, my gosh. And that's not everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you guys are clearly, like, part of the early We were, crowd. we were. Yeah. And that was, you know... When we started getting organized, we got this building we're sitting in front of now, mm-hmm. um, 2013. Yeah. Uh, 2011, I think, is so when we did our, you know, our business sure. plan and stuff. Um, and then beer on the market in 2015. Some of the other breweries, um, Rufftail, just you know, they got their stuff together a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, and got on the market. Neat story. One of the owners of, the, of Rufftail is also from Norman. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, now here in Norman, we were Norman's first production brewery with our beer on the market uh, beginning of 2015 and now as of last week which was 4th of July yeah. 2021 we have six down here six breweries here in Norman mm-hmm. are they all kind of in the same area too I know there's one down the street they are not in the same area uh, we are up here on the north side of town okay. close to the airport and near Black Mesa yeah and uh, there are one two three Three of them down in the kind of downtown area, and then one on Campus Corner. Okay, nice. Yeah, and it must be. It seems like you all kind of just get involved, and I mean, you don't you don't acquire or get another business, another competing business business plan, right? Without like people wanting to share and the love and kind of have fun and kind of like create an atmosphere here, right? Some businesses like I'm not giving you my business plan. Yeah, the, the entire time. Uh, that we were getting our stuff together. Yeah. Uh, the, the breweries that had already received their licenses and were producing, you know, would answer any question That's we needed. Awesome. Um, and then we turned around and did the same thing right. for the breweries that asked us. Yeah. Um, it is, I, I believe it is easier now in the state because the state... The law state, changed, right? The law changed, but the yeah. state itself has done it more times mm. and now knows yeah. what the process is. It's not like, oh, let me look that up. I'm not sure. Yeah. And they're saying no because they... It's not because it's wrong. It's because they just don't know. Yeah. Right? And they don't um, want to be wrong themselves by agreeing to something. Yeah. Or, yeah. And, and just, you know, paperwork procedures, all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they've done it now, you know, at least yeah. 40 times. Uh, and whoever, you know, right. deals with that, it's not a a, a rare occasion anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you've been in this building then, you said, was it 13? 2013. 13. Yep. So, I mean... Eight years, right? That's that's really cool to still be in the same building. Most yeah. people would have kind of like been like, I mean, you guys clearly bought the built big enough building first, right? You know? Yeah. So there's, I mean, the the building we're in right now has um, has a production space in the back mm-hmm. that, uh, while sometimes it looks full, you know, realistically there's a lot of vertical space. Yeah. That if if we had the ability to just buy right. taller brewing equipment, you could stick it in there and you can make twice as much without expanding the space sure. at all um, but it also has a front uh, front space with an office that's air conditioned and a small taproom area that mm-hmm. back in 2013 I mean all yeah. the way until 2017 
you uh, could only sell from here. Yeah, right? brewery in Oklahoma, we couldn't yeah. sell. You couldn't sell at all oh, okay. direct to a consumer. Gotcha. Um, so this the space that is our tap room was um, had a couch in it. Yeah, and hangout area. We had, we had Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was a Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, as well. Uh, but uh, law changed in two thousand. But at the end of two thousand sixteen, that allowed. Yeah. breweries to have tap rooms to sell directly to a consumer both in to go and to drink mm-hmm. on site yeah um, we also have a portion of the building in the back there's another larger building where sure. we have you know can storage product storage yeah barrel storage so so things like I mean you're buying a building it's clearly going to be a business at that point you're invested in it uh how many cans do you have at the time how many beers are you opening up with and and then obviously the product that the the process of getting it to market like as a new product at that time yep uh, in the in the beginning we Trey and I decided that uh, we didn't want to make the same beer all the time yeah um, I guess it's nice to have a flagship but we really didn't want to just continually run mm-hmm. the brewing system to put the same ingredients in and do the same time and then take it out yeah. and do it again so I think we went you know definitely a year before we made the same beer again mm-hmm. uh, in that first year and in the beginning we did uh, kegs only yeah and this is something that you know just because of time labor and whatever right. it's, it's easier to fill a keg than it is to do canning uh, and bottle labeling and then easier and to do bottles it. than yeah. it is canning yeah but uh, so the first you know I don't remember how many months but in the beginning we did kegs only so it went to mostly just local restaurants sure. Um, they put it on draft. We had uh, some locally owned stuff, um, places that put things on yeah. you know, immediately. Our first beer that we released is, you know, flagship maybe is the wrong word, but a beer that we do yearly, sure. um, usually multiple times, that is that is also kind of the, uh, the, the I got the, the words wrong, but it is what we... It's how we perceive what we make, how we perceive. It's how we we tell ourselves that we can make anything gotcha. that we want to. Yeah. Because it's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and it's FDR, our Coffee Imperial Stout. Yeah. Like, to us, it is a, a way of thinking that we can make a beer and it doesn't have to be inside a category. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Which we have a lot of beer that... You're like what kind of beer is it? Right. Um, it's, we just yeah. make up a name sometimes, uh-huh. uh, or our own style, and see what. That's well, nice to do that though, right? And nice to be like, you know, what? it doesn't matter. We're not going to follow the rules here. We're going to kind of do what we want to do because we can. Like, there's no one telling me that I have to do it this way and I have to do it that way. Like, and you know, you look back over history, people who have done gone against the rules in certain things it's just like they just now that stuff's normal right it, someone's got to do it someone's got to change the way that things are done otherwise it's going to get monotonous and boring and everyone's going to make the same beer absolutely yeah so we haven't done a good job winning awards <laughs> <laughs> because when you when you enter your beer you have to put it in a category yeah but uh, we have a lot of fun doing it so no uh, he, just a, a scale of the idea that we still uh-huh. make a lot of different beer in 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, during the pandemic and the shutdown, we released 65 different labels. Wow. Um, this year, we're shooting for a smaller number, but it's still going to be around 50. Yeah. 
Um, we have some core beers that we do make all the time, sure. but uh, you know what we have what we have fun with is is using you know new fruit or uh-huh. using new methods or uh, pulling things out of a barrel and they've been there for a year, year and yeah, a half. Yeah. You know, and those are all things that you know they're not necessarily repeatable. Each one's right. going to be its own unique uh, release or yeah. unique beer. Yeah, and and by small batching it like that, you kind of create you know the audience and the following that you guys have like you you know you they know that like this might not be around forever we might not make this again even if we do it's not gonna be the same which is really cool to have kind of that you know knowing people knowing that coming out and you guys knowing it too because like okay if it doesn't do as well then it doesn't matter because yeah. we have 50 other ones that we're gonna do anyway yeah. so and if it's if it has a great response then it's one to put on the list to yeah. do again it's just I mean you're just trying constantly trying new things mm-hmm. right which it's why not? Yeah. And I would say, I mean, if I go to a restaurant or a bar, mm-hmm. I say, what's new? Yeah. You know, what's what's new on draft? Because that's what I want to try. I want right. to try something I haven't had before. Yeah. And not usually something I've had already. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's more exciting. Right. So as you're making all these then, what is that like when you, you know, like, I know you mentioned before we started recording your side of it is kind of like getting stuff into stores and, and the business development side was Trey's more of the brewing side of things. And I don't know nothing about brewing and I'm sure people listening, Trey, if he does turn up, will tell people about it uh, and they'll learn. But anyway, with, with you, like getting stuff into stores by doing it small batches, how does that all work out? Because people want like consistency, right? Yeah, some do. Um, we're pretty lucky here in our area to have some. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think one of the reasons we're we're lucky, which one of the reasons we're lucky, is that we have independently owned liquor stores. Yeah. Uh, in Oklahoma, uh-huh. to have a liquor store license, you have to be a, a person. Right. And you know those people. It's their small business, and. It's their interest to uh-huh. know, also bring people in with yeah. things that are interesting, and not just right push a, a mega beer out the door at a you know super low yeah, yeah, cost. Yeah. So uh, right now, you know, after the the laws changed a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. again to allow breweries the option to self distribute, we self distribute our product, and so when I go out to a store, yeah. it's me, right. the small business owner talking to another small business gotcha. owner and you know this is a direct yeah. communication between owner to owner yeah no producer to enemy, yeah. retailer and it it's nice to be able to talk to those people yeah. that makes sense straight and just have a conversation get to know them i mean after a couple yeah. of years now many of them just say just make sure my shelf looks good yeah. um they're now friends they're yeah. not like you know they're not yeah. business they're, they're like friends I, yeah i know you're not gonna bring me something that right. that's bad for my business and mm-hmm. if something doesn't work you know we'll figure it out right um it probably works like best that you because you have so many products right yes like, it's like, easy to tailor for also yeah. a place if they only have a few spots then yeah i can see maybe what who who comes in and what do they buy right. and here's something that we tried it didn't work so let's go a different direction yeah It's cool. Yeah, it that, really is. Like, it makes like the more I think about it, the more it makes sense, right? Like, it just makes sense for the small business owner to have as a huge variety of products. You've built up a brand that's reliable. You've been doing this long enough that the people trust the brand. You've you've kind of brand equity already, 
and I think another thing with with craft beer drinkers in general is like yourself they want to try something that's new they're not like I'm going to drink Coors Light because I've always drunk Coors Light because my dad drunk Coors Light or whatever it is and that's game you know like it's a totally different person isn't it like they're out there willing to try new things which helps you as much as it helps the seller because they're like hey this is a brand new product you know can we move it maybe I think we can and then you're like, well, I use this is just normal testing for me, right? Because if it works, you'll just yep. put it into production. There are a few stores as well that just do have space for yeah. everything. Uh-huh. And they say, if you have something new, you know, give it to By me. By all means, yeah. 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 And not, not just us as, as sure. Fortify yeah, Brewing, yeah, yeah. but there are, there are several stores throughout the metro that just want to make sure they have anything that's available. Yeah. So when their customers come in, they have hey, the, this is new. the biggest Check selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as I guess going into the future what's kind of I mean you've been doing this eight years now have the building and and, uh, homebrewing a lot longer than that but what's kind of like you know plans and and do you want to have a bigger space than this like do you want to I don't we don't have any plans to change the brewing area Uh or the brewing you know facility Um, we are always looking to increase our production and over the last two years, we've we've increased our fermentation cap- capacity. Mm-hmm. We uh, just got a, a canning line at the beginning of 2021. Um, was that the biggest kind of re- that most was, recent that was, acquisition? With yes, the can line? and yeah. yeah, the most expensive piece of equipment in the <laughs> <Right>. building. <laughs> yeah. Uh, prior to that, well, like I said in the beginning, we did kegs. Mm-hmm. Then we did kegs, and we did large 750 milliliter bottles, like big wine got bottles. You. And then uh, we started doing some smaller bottles. Um, and then we did start canning. Oh, I forget when, but 2018 it's or quite something. It's a big decision to start going into canning then, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. You, you can definitely put a, a bottle on the shelf for a higher price per ounce than you, yeah. can, than you can a can. But the market here in Oklahoma, for sure, has swung way far into cans sure like it's it's a lot harder to get uh, a shelf spot for a bottle or okay. you know, shelf it's not going to be in the fridge yeah, yeah in yeah. most places because the fridges when when it's refrigeration stack a can yeah when refrigeration cans, yeah. became a thing in liquor stores you know yeah you know, rightly so they made all the shelving for and if cans. a can drops it's not going to bust open as often as a bottle so yeah break everywhere so canning in Oklahoma is a big thing um and in the beginning, we actually figured out a way to do uh, can conditioning. So we, we didn't have, because we didn't have a, a big canning line, mm-hmm. um, we did have a small canning apparatus, but it really couldn't handle uh, canning cold carbonated beer. Sure. So uh, Trey and Robert did a lot of research and figured out that we could do can conditioning. This is a, a process much like a, a home brewer might bottle okay. their beer. Uh, you, you put the, the beer into the bottle with either a small amount of carbonation or no mm. carbonation, but a little bit of sugar and some active yeast. Yeah. And then that yeast finishes off the sugar inside the bottle because it's closed, produces CO2, gotcha. carbonates the beer. Um, not very many people do it in cans, but we did it for a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, it worked out really well until we got the, the new line. Um, you know, it's a, it was a big investment, but it's also a, a, right. 
a really nice uh, step to make it uh, easier for us to get beer onto the market in a more timely manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Trey? No. He, he, Trey, <laughs> Trey is on the way. Someone driving in a fancy truck. He, he's yeah. got a, a, you'll see his Suburban. Yeah. He is on the way. I think he's going to be less than five minutes away. Oh, but we'll try and hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I'm we'll, running we'll, out of questions here. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. If you want, I can just talk forever. Uh, yeah. Oh, but we, let's go back to the uh, the future. We yes, do, we do have some. So you got the canning line. The canning line. Um, and that's what we're doing now. So we're, you know, we spent 2020 figuring out how can we expand our distribution uh-huh. um, you know because we couldn't have you know most of 2020 we couldn't have right. people on site yeah so that was the, the core focus was let's get into more retail uh-huh. let's figure out how to get into uh, more restaurants when when they become available again and just you know every every week put more product out where sure. people can get it across the state instead of having to rely rely on people to come here to our little you know yeah industrial area brewery um, and so that's something that we have we have done, and we uh, every week we continually uh-huh. expand that. And so the the future with distribution, uh, you know, there's a lot, mm-hmm. there's a lot of potential there. Uh, there's another potential that Trey and I have talked about. No, no specific plans, but it's a, a dreamy idea mm-hmm. of opening a satellite tap room. Yeah probably somewhere in the Oklahoma City area to reach the market yeah. that doesn't want to drive to Norman, mm-hmm. understandably. That makes sense. Uh, and now the rules change, you're allowed to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a future that would be fun and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. exciting. Definitely. You know, nothing nothing set, but... With with the tap room down here then, uh, also you guys would have like I mean, you have a n- events and stuff, and nights. People, you know, people come out for don't not just for a beer, but you, you seem to have like food trucks and stuff coming. Like, seems like you have a good buzz down here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do. Again, 2020 was its whole sure. whole thing that was all different. But this spring and summer, um, just last night, for example, we had uh, a local custard uh, company out. Mm-hmm. So we were doing beer floats. Um, here in a uh, week and a half, we're having a sour festival. Okay. Uh, poster there on the wall. Yeah. Uh, it's a an event that we've done prior mm-hmm. uh, twice. We did it in 2018 and 2019. And just did uh, all of the sour beers came from us. Okay. 40 plus sour beers. Yeah. Um, you know, had a big session of, of people out here and, and having a great time. But this year, Trey organized it and asked other Oklahoma City and Norman breweries mm-hmm. to participate. So this year we have eight big. we have eight breweries, uh, which is nice that we don't have to make 40 beers. Yeah. Uh, eight breweries, including ourselves. Uh, here from Norman, we have Lazy Circles and Big. And then uh, from Oklahoma City, we've got Coop, Vanessa House, Stone Cloud, mm-hmm. Prairie, and Rough Tail, and... Stone Cloud. I said Stone Cloud twice. Yeah. Anyway, we've got some other people, other local breweries, yeah, yeah, that like to also make sour sour stuff. So it's coming up here uh, in July. It's going to be fun. Two sessions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of beer. Yeah, it is. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see. I know, you know, each brewery has its own kind of style and, and flavor. Sure. And so in one spot, I'm excited to taste a bunch of mm-hmm. beer from the similar category. Yeah. Sour, funky, wild. Um, Push the boundaries. Everyone's just kind of like, hey, let's see what we can do. And it seems like the sour category is just kind of, like I said, 
figure it out, do what you want, kind of push it out there. Yeah, and, and, and that's something, gosh, we... You asked what we started with. We started with the Coffee Imperial Stout, but our second release was Grapefruit Sour. Yeah. Uh, which we had, Trey and I had been experimenting with sours uh, for the year and a half before we opened, mm-hmm. before we started producing. And I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was uh, a mouth-changing, you know, <laughs> yeah. a series of events to, to be like, that. this is such a different, right. uh, different style and different flavor that we can... Um, we can replicate we, this. We can make, yeah. That yeah. must be the hard thing too, right? Is when you make something, you know, and, and you make it for the first time. Has there only been times where you've made something for the first time and it's amazing, like you try and make it again and it's not the same? And you're just struggling to try and get back to there are, that first taste? There are definitely times that it, it evolves. Um, you know, we, we don't have as many barrel-aged sours now as we have in the past, uh-huh. but... You know, if you put put a sour beer in a barrel for a year, yeah, and then put another one in for another year, you know, that's that's a lot of right. There's a lot of characteristics that can evolve, you know, on their own um, and become something different. But uh, you know, I think everything that we release that has the same name, at least, yeah. you know, we feel is, you know, at least resembles it. Right. No, that know? makes sense. And yeah, in yeah. the beginning, you know, the first ten batches of grapefruit sour, we labeled them. Mm-hmm. Batch one, batch two, batch three, yeah. all the way up to ten. So, so you could actually the idea that hey, this is not going to be the same as yeah, batch one. Yeah, yeah. each one's going to evolve. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's now, cool though to be like to, you know to to kind of go through the journey right to to from like that you know like that guy's trip and then brewing beer as buddies and then you actually think oh this might become a business now and and two of you taking that on and you know being a little different and producing so many drinks and so many beers and you know then progressing into canning and it's it's cool right i mean it's it's succeeding it's going in the right direction oh absolutely you know it's a lot of fun too yeah it's and it seems like that's a priority just listening to you talk it's like we want to do things different we want to keep evolving keep having fun not making the same beer all the time and it seems like that was a from the get-go that was one of the main reasons you guys started absolutely uh just stopping by the taproom last night briefly during the taproom hours uh, it's nice to see people that you know a, a following of yeah, local yeah. people that have uh, spent a lot of time coming out here in the last several years and you know, providing a space for them to go have fun right and something to look forward to mm-hmm. just like I know I like to go visit yeah. other local restaurants and bars and breweries um, what are the you mentioned what are the taproom hours taproom hours uh, right now we do Thursday through Sunday okay and that's Thursday evenings 4 to 9 Saturdays 2 to 9 and Sundays 2 to 6 yeah Trey is pulling up now. He's pulling in as we're getting close to yeah, finish. This he, is going to be a long episode. Yeah, we'll have to get uh, him in here for a few minutes. You can just chop out the middle yeah. part where I'm talking. <laughs> Waffling about stuff. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so so, you, so those are the hours. And where can people like, is it 405brewing.com? 405brewing.com. You can also find us on all the social medias. Yeah. Uh, 405 Brewing. All right. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Not on MySpace. I, someone actually the other day was like, I turned on MySpace and I logged in just to see what would happen. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I went to MySpace website and I was like, I can't remember my password. Yeah. So. And it's just been so long that it doesn't auto like fill your password, doesn't it? Yeah. So 
<laughs> Don't know that even existed. <laughs> but uh, Trey's walking up right now. He's he'll he'll have up. time to say hello and yeah, then... hello and goodbye in the same sentence. Yeah. Or if you have one hard hitting question, <laughs> you could ask him about the future. That might be fun. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll see what he says. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Trey Carson. <laughs> hello. Welcome. Uh, We've just been talking crap about you for about an hour. It's totally so, fine. Totally fine. Um, acceptable. But as, as we're almost coming to a close, uh, I guess we've heard all about your very, very good music talents growing up. And you're very good at playing guitar and stuff like that, which I'm sure everyone listening is now expecting to come to the tap room and hear you shredding guitar. I am quite awful at guitar. <laughs> uh, but Jonathan said to ask you what uh, about the future what kind of plans are for the future and, and kind of where you want to take you know after doing this for eight ten years or whatever where you want to take the the business that is a very large question <laughs> I guess I should ask Jonathan what he's already said but no that the, was the idea that was the idea yeah the future of 405 You've probably heard about where we started in mm -hmm. regards to our sour program, our barrel aging program. The future looks like a lot of barrel aged imperial stouts. Okay. The future looks like a lot of heavily fruited smoothie style, slushy okay. style beer. Yeah. And continuing to have a lot of fun. Maybe not as many beers as you've seen in the past. Maybe not 65 or 70 beers a year. But maybe the larger volume of the beers that people have said that they really love. Yeah. Uh, still hand processing a lot of fruit by hand. Sorry, hand processing a lot of fruit by hand. By that hand, makes yeah. sense. Still a lot of hand processing mm -hmm. of fruit. And making a lot of sour beer still. Just shifting a little bit. Yeah. So... And still making more clean beer. People always think 405, sour beer, more clean beer. Okay. So the interesting, Trey's answer yeah. was all about production and making. Yeah. My answer was a little bit different. It was more about... Distribution. Distribution, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> two, two different viewpoints on what we're doing here. Well, but that also, I think, speaks to what our daily jobs are. Uh -huh. My right. daily job is production. Your daily job is selling beer. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like you're doing a good job of both. So Yes. Tell me about the slushies kind of thing, because that's something different, right? That's something that, you know, is that just because of summer and people want to drink ice slushies and alcoholic slushies? And so slushy smoothie beer seems to be the hot trend okay. in craft beer in, in the U.S. right now. I've seen a lot of it come from uh, the northern part of the U.S. and is trickling down here. Okay. So, you know, we had New England IPAs, which I, I would assume started in the New England states, right? Uh -huh. So, northeast. And now just uh, kind of mid-northern. Yeah. Uh, slushy beer. And I asked someone, I was like, what's the, what's the obsession with slushy beers? Why are people spending two or $300 on these beers? You know, they'll, they'll go to a brewery and drop two or $300. Why is that? Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, well, I think people are influenced by the by the cannabis industry sure and people think of cannabis and then they're like oh hey when I was young got high and what's the thing that I wanted well, I wanted a slushy yeah so they tend to like it kind of marries these two worlds together of cannabis and beer mm -hmm. 
and price points uh, i think breweries are very attracted to it because of price points sure they're selling there's breweries in colorado who are they're selling four packs of these beers for 26 dollars and so they and, yeah. and and they are selling out in seven eight minutes online yeah so price point definitely is very attractive but it also appeals to non-beer drinkers mm-hmm. so people who are like well i don't really like beer it's like well, do you like a smoothie? Yeah. Because this doesn't really taste like beer. It just tastes like a smoothie with a little bit of alcohol. Yeah. You guys thought about getting into the salsa game at all? So or we, the lemonade. Lemonade, lemonade now, right? People are doing like hard, not hard lemonade, but like there's now some new yeah. lemonade stuff that's yeah. popping off. Mike's hard lemonade is really hot on the scene right now. So I think it's back. It's back, I was, I was right? in a store yeah. yesterday. And someone got was like, lemonade stuff. Do you know where this like, is? It yeah. was Mike's Hard Lemonade. I was like, I'm yeah. sorry, I don't, but I know who can find out for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, here's Smirnoff Ice will be next. <laughs> so we we are getting into the seltzer game. Okay. Yes. It's we, a huge industry now, isn't it? It is. is it, I heard someone say yesterday it was like a $2 billion industry now. Holy smokes. I don't know. It's an article about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they work for a different salsa company I'll tell you after we stop recording I won't plug them because they're not paying me yet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah it's uh, it seems like a bit of a craze yeah so I I didn't really know where I was going to go when this first started I thought oh maybe this is along the hard root beer lines where it's going to have a summer it's going to be done Mm -hmm. clearly not still here clearly not so seltzer game we have a line called Yes Please, uh-huh. and it's Pink Lemonade Seltzer, yeah. and it should be out within, I guess, I guess giving a week frame, time frame is probably not appropriate for the podcast. July? So, uh, August? What, what is today? July 9th. Yeah. I would say no later than the beginning of August, Okay. we will have the Pink Lemonade Seltzer, and then we'll have variants of that. Nice. Plan is to have a... A watermelon seltzer. Okay. Now sticking with our live culture sour roots, mm-hmm. all of our seltzers are live culture sour seltzers. Yeah. Because yeah, we gotta do something a little different. That's the theme I've got from the last forty-five minutes mm-hmm. of listening. It's like <laughs> doing everything differently. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Which it's, I love. Yeah. If if there's a if there's a, a sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. I would say don't expect that. Yeah. From us, although. If you like normal things, we have a amazing light beer. Uh, I mean, it did win gold. Yeah. yeah. When it came to the 2020 Oklahoma Craft Beer Awards. Yes. Yeah. And so, you said you know, haven't won any one. Uh, I said awards. it's hard to win. Hard to yeah, win. So awards. this is yeah. the the one thing we've won where it was during the pandemic. Right. And we, never, we didn't get to go to like an awards ceremony or anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So night light, gold medal winning yeah. and. I, I love our beer. I will tell you, I think that is a really well-executed beer. That's what I was drinking this whole <laughs> time. Like, yeah. yeah. It's 4.5%. Yeah. It's got all your carb contents, like uh, all your carb information there on the side. So if you're mm-hmm. carb conscious, it's price point is phenomenal. Yeah. And you can just crush it, dude. It's pretty uh, pretty stellar. So it's it's a beer we're very, very proud of. It's they drink beer? Easily. Yeah. Yeah, started the podcast just after nine o'clock. Right. Yeah. I had a glass. <laughs> like, do you all want? I was yeah, like, yeah, that's four, what did I say four and a half percent. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I would put it up against any light beer that's out there, and is a better tasting, more flavorful, right? Crushable beer. It's really, really good. All right. So, I, so if you want normal beer, 
There's normal beer. Yeah. yeah. Available at many retailers statewide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then if you want weird beer, we have that too. Plenty of it. And smoothie and slushies and stouts. Are the smoothie and slushies there already out? Yeah, so okay. yeah, we've been, I think we're releasing a new smoothie or slushy beer every other week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, for people listening that I might have been finished walking their dog, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, uh, I appreciate you coming down. For, I appreciate, you know, coming on the podcast and telling some stories. Jonathan said before we started recording, I don't know how many stories I can tell without you being here. So he's much better with you here. Mm-hmm. Did a really good job. Uh, so <laughs> I, feel, feel free to remove 25 minutes. <laughs> I'm not going to remove anything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, thanks for coming on the podcast. Love what you guys do. Love that you guys push the boundaries a little bit. Um, I say a little bit, a lot and do what you want to do. Cause, uh, you know, I wish more people did what they wanted to do rather than sticking to the guidelines. I think the world would be a much more creative place if we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, I'll post a link to the website, social media stuff in the description. And for people listening, go try the award-winning said Nightlight, Nightlight beer, uh, and the slushies. Yeah, and if you're uh, still here and, and you hear this in time, you can get a ticket to the Summer Sour Fest. Summer Sour Fest, yeah, which is. July 17th July 17th is correct which is what next weekend that's next yeah it's pretty quick this will go out Monday okay so So you've got a few days to get online we've got eight breweries Mm -hmm. they're gonna be here well I guess including us they're eight breweries so we got some big names dropping yeah yeah I dropped 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 a lot of them one of them twice oh heck yeah (laughs) Uh, Stone Cloud there's a third time (laughs) (laughs) they were on a previous podcast so hopefully people listening know what they are but yeah thanks thanks for coming on the podcast sharing the story of course thanks for coming out wish you all the best for the future um and now now i'm gonna try be it why not so thanks for listening guys we'll catch you next episode cheers huge thanks to oklahoma agrotourism uh for helping set this podcast up hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism oklahoma's growing adventure pet a pig help with a harvest lie around at the lodge wind down with a wine and more however you want to experience agriculture let oklahoma agrotourism be your guide Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.